0: Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. Today, I'm really excited to have Katie Kokovinas with us. She's the executive director of New York All-Stars, a nonprofit organization, and she's an educator. So, Katie, welcome to Warriors of Education, and I just want to talk to you about what you do, what your organization is, and how you're connected to education.
1: Great. Um, Well, I pursued educational theater uh, in graduate school to um, hopefully become a drama teacher. That's what I was aiming to do, but I was also a teaching artist, teaching lots of different programs, and um, I had some parents approach me about starting a program in their community, and I did, and that was six years ago. And it was a Saturday morning gymnastics class that I began with, and um, that program just quickly grew, and we continued to add classes, and I continued to add um, my areas of expertise, which are uh, the performing arts, um, children's fitness, early childhood, So at this point, New York All-Stars has a preschool prep program, which is an actual pre-K program or or it's preparatory for pre-K. So we take kids at about two and a half, three years old, and it's a half day program and gives them a nice introduction to preschool with fitness and arts infused. Um, We also have a musical theater program. We do introductory classes, and then we also have a Uh, a performance team that has traveled to places like the Junior Theater Festival in Atlanta, Georgia. We uh, recently, in February, we had kids attend the National Performing Arts Festival at Disney World. Um, And we have competitive cheerleading, which is um, probably our most popular program. And it's really interesting. It infuses fitness and performing arts. So it really rests in our mission. Um, And in everything we do, we build in a leadership curriculum. So um, that is a big part of the work that we do is trying to infuse some of those early professional skills, um, skills that will help them, you know, in whatever they pursue. Um, so that's, that's basically it. That's New York All-Stars. Um, and so tell me how, how are you doing right now? So, I mean,
0: it's a lot of like hands on work. So tell me what, what remote learning is looking like for you and your program.
1: So I may, I may have an unpopular opinion here, but I have to say, I absolutely love teaching online. Um, I love doing this work online, and, and one reason this was an easy transition, well, I don't wanna say easy. <laughs> There's nothing easy about the state of things, but um, we started incorporating some virtual learning about two years ago into our program through a private social network. It was not really required, but um, we had a commercial space, we found that the overhead expense and exhaustion of that commercial space was really um, making it challenging for us to actually just do our work. You know, we're dealing with, you know, the liabilities of, you know, just day-to-day operations and maintenance and things like that. but. Um, But also, you know, there's just a, there was, there were a lot of expenses and a lot of overhead. And we felt like if we could get into schools and run our programs in those buildings that already exist during times that kids are not in them, we'll do that and we'll run our programs less, but we'll supplement by giving them some you know tools to communicate with us virtually so we started our private social network two years ago it started out just to be a form of communication and make sure that we could reach all of the parents and then we started incorporating challenges for kids to to um you know do a little homework at home and later adding videos so that they could supplement you know their in-class time and we saw you know, from the kids who took advantage of those offerings, which were not required back then, um, we saw tremendous growth. And we've offered some of our classes online before where we filmed and live streamed a live class, but invited people from around the world to join in. And it was a little slow to to grow, but successful for maybe one or two times that, that we tried it. Um, and so this transition, fortunately, I had some experience teaching online. So did um, uh, one of our other teachers, and we kind of didn't skip a beat. Our preschool program um, we did close. We did close early. We closed before the mandate. Um, we serve school. We serve kids from a lot of different school districts. So we thought it was best, um, out of an abundance of caution, to just close. Um, but we immediately began implementing solutions so that they could still keep up with their classes. And you know that Thing that we've heard the most from parents is thank you, thank you for, for contributing to, you know, some normalcy for our kids because they're used to seeing you every week. They're used to the, the instruction that you offer. Um, there's certainly things that we don't get to do. Uh, musical theater has been particularly challenging because as of right now, there's not a way for kids to sing all together at once. And we've tried to really find creative solutions around that. Um, so we we started with sort of a soft lunch of just keeping our kids that we had and offering them some weekly classes. And as of today, we have 20 classes. They are open to anybody in the world um, as long as they can commit to Eastern Standard Time. And and what we have now is a lot more ability levels, a lot more catered instruction. Um, we're able to give the kids a little more one-on-one feedback. And while we're not working toward performing at big events, we're able to um, really focus on their training and help them be the best versions of themselves in whatever activity they like the most. Um, We're able to listen to the kids and what they want to learn about and do it. And so for us, virtual learning has been pretty successful. We've, We've maintained the majority of our program.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm doing virtual learning for pre-K now. I don't know if you know it's pre-K and kindergarten. And I actually really love it. I mean, the only thing that's hard for me is that not having them live and having to hear them because when you have to mute everybody because it just gets so loud. And that's the only, like having immediate feedback. But I've been really loving it. And I feel like, they're kind of thriving in this environment. Not mm-hmm. to say that I don't wanna go back to like regular teaching, because of course I do, but it's nice to, I, I agree, I don't think everybody's gonna disagree with you. I think when it comes to especially the performing arts, there is something about that that is, is really good for students to have, and also the way that we can connect to the world. I mean, doing this podcast, I could not do a live podcast now if it was if it wasn't for zoom and able to talk to people all over the country. So I think that's great. And you have a son too. So how do you balance your child who's in, is he in pre-k now or kindergarten?
1: Yeah, he's in pre-k four. Um, so I do have my husband working at home and we're very fortunate that my mom was with us and if she didn't um, there there would be no there would be no way for me to be working and momming um, but we've just staggered our schedules too you know uh, we we have to in some cases share devices he gets some um, virtual learning from his preschool and my mom's been overseeing that with him in the mornings while I have some quiet time to do work in the afternoons we try to get him outside or he may maybe in a Zoom class himself, uh, sometimes with me as the teacher. And, um, you know, we, our clients have been very forgiving, you know, um, my child may come up and ask for a snack while we're stretching. And, um, and for the most part, you know, we have enough adults here to, to maintain it. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that support. Um, but I would say it also is very, uh, I would imagine it's very dependent on the kid. My child grew up in my classes, like since he was a baby, he's watched me teach. He, he kind of knows the protocol already. Um, and and it, it hasn't been too challenging. So maybe it's just beginner's luck.
0: That's good. <laughs> do, you,
1: do you find that there are
0: students that maybe are thriving in this environment who maybe didn't thrive as much together? And can you tell me a
1: little bit about that? Yes, I'm actually writing about this too. Because I've really noticed, it, it's very interesting. Um, some of the kids that I feel like were even more shy and introverted in my class, with this one-on-one closeness and my ability to like spotlight them while they perform a skill, kindly give them feedback right then, um, it, I've watched them grow tremendously. Kids who've just never said, oh, I want to be in the front so I can be right by the teacher and learn all the skills those kids are really doing very well. Um, I would say, uh, you know, virtual learning is not, it's not a, it doesn't meet all the needs for all of my students, but everybody's kind of figured out a way that, it, that they benefit. Um, but, but yes, I've definitely seen a difference. There's definitely a style of learner that appreciates virtual instruction.
0: And what about the students that are having difficulty with that how are they how are you helping them along
1: the way with that so we uh i've broken my instruction or hang on let me figure out how to phrase this i believe through my experience that there are at least two kinds of virtual learners there are the active participants and the active observers And what I found is that uh, a lot of my kids, especially the older kids, they are not interested in being seen on screen. And that's a really big thing for them. So I have just been very flexible. I've been very flexible with what they need. And um, and I've also really tried to listen to how they're feeling because I think a lot of times the kids who are not ready to participate in this are, are also just dealing with the overwhelming feelings that they're having about this whole situation. They don't wanna show up and smile and sing and dance with me today, and that's okay. But if they come and they leave their camera off and they look at what we're doing, or they're riding their bike and we're in their ears, you know, like playing through their AirPods, they're absorbing some information and what i'm hearing is that behind my back they practice and um and they they are retaining some of the information and some of the training that we're providing even if they're not actively participating so the active observers are welcome to leave their cameras off um they are if they can only tolerate being in class in virtual class for 5 minutes one week i say try for 7 the next week and they they you know, when they give it a few tries, um, they tend to adapt better. And I will say that for it also took me as an instructor adapting to the different learning styles and trying to figure them out before I feel like I was even that engaging and effective as an instructor. Um, yeah. At this point, I feel like I kind of have it down. And, and, you know, even kids who once would not turn on their cameras are now turning on the video. They want the feedback now. So I think it's, um, I think, you know, as with all educators, it's about patience and flexibility and really customizing your instruction to what the kids need. Until now, I've actually never really had that luxury. You know, um, we're we're always boom, 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 large classes of kids in and out. Everybody gets the same information. And so, you know, I feel like uh, some kids aren't used to Learning this way, but but they're all picking up their own benefits. So what? I, what? Yeah, to, to completely,
0: completely. I think it's easier. I think it's easier to also really get to know the children better than because I, I know I have thirty two kids in a class, and there's just no way to do this. But it's definitely easier when you have this one on one, and and you have the safety of a computer. And I think that the students who just don't speak up in class because they're afraid or they're embarrassed, like don't have that around them. So it's just easier Mm -hmm. for them to be that. So no, that makes a lot of sense. Now, what do you you think about like you? So the reason we know each other is I directed Annie with All Stars, which was just one of my favorite experiences, by the way. Mm -hmm. I loved working, I loved working. I love those kids and I loved working with you and I loved All Stars and everything. So what do you think the future of doing shows is? Because you guys do a show every year and I know can you tell me a little bit about, about your your connection to Disney and how you um yes, tell me tell me all about that.
1: Yeah, um well Disney runs a really great pilot program, so so musical theater programs can apply or um, request uh, to pilot musicals for Disney. I don't have all the details about how you how you get into that. Um, I, oh, I feel right. like you know, uh, I don't want to promise that everybody gets that opportunity, but um, so we've had the opportunity to pilot some new productions. Some summers, uh, we did we did an early version of. Uh, Frozen kids, so that was an adaptation for elementary school students of Frozen last summer we piloted Finding Nemo kids, which i don't think came available for licensing yet, but it is a really lovely lovely show um, with lots of great roles for kids and and great themes um, so as, you know we yeah, we do musicals every year and and we also do performances just throughout the year we We hosted a holiday showcase and um, I'll tell you what we had coming up was, uh, you know, for for the spring, we had rented or were planning to rent a very, a, a much bigger theater than we've ever performed. And we were really excited about it. And it would have been a musical production weekend followed by an awards showcase, which is our big, one of our biggest sources of revenue for the whole year. Um, so the cancellation of shows is probably the most, uh, you know, destructive, I think, on on children's performing arts businesses right now, because um, it's not just about the disappointment of things being canceled. It's about, um, you know, this is a really huge source of revenue for us and allows us to continue our programs. So one solution I came up with uh, was a couple of weeks into our virtual learning, I started to feel kids were kind of teetering off or maybe not as engaged and i and i thought you know what they're not going to just show up just for skills we need to give them an opportunity to perform so actually two weeks ago we hosted a live virtual showcase and we had solos and our cheerleaders performed as a team they did cartwheels all together in their zoom boxes and it was a lovely magical experience there were um we honored our essential workers and you know, and I think our Zoom room had 100 people in it, which is the max you could have. Um, we had to turn people away from the Zoom room. And you know, I, I quickly learned that, you know what? performance is not over. Performance we may just have to be a little bit more creative, and I would guess for the next very long while. Um, so our plans coming, co- coming up um, are to continue to perform. Our next performances will not be musicals. Um, Because the kids can't sing all together. We are instead performing music video parodies, things like that, because it gives them the opportunity. We've talked a lot about what happens when you're making a movie musical, right? When you're making a movie musical, they're not recording your live voice singing. You're having to do everything. But then you're probably going to go back and record in a studio. So we've done a little bit of instruction on that and had them kind of perform with their mute button on. And And it's, they're still learning, you know, they're still learning, they're still growing, they're still performing, they're allowed to sing in their living rooms for their families right now. Um, And I feel like that's kind of the best that we can do for now. Um, I love that
0: you I love how you take what, I mean, you take whatever you get and you're still able to make these. I mean, that's amazing. I love that they're doing music videos and I love the idea of movie musicals. Yeah. That's up and coming, like In the Heights was supposed to come out. I'm hoping it still comes out this summer for the movie and um, and that you're teaching them those skills that maybe you might not have done if you didn't have this. So I just think that's amazing. Right. Thank you. It's amazing. Yeah. It's you. Amazing. <laughs> yeah no, no, I, I yeah. mean, I, I, I hope I can, tune in and, k- and kind of see what Oh yeah, days. I'll
1: make sure you get all of that. Also coming yes. up, so, so we started a new session of classes for May and I incorporated just a lot more of the educational theater training that we don't get to do so much when we're rehearsing shows <laughs> and trying to mount a large production. So for instance, our kids are going to perform a play based on a really popular funny children's book. They are doing the design from their closets and their rooms. They are all cast, Um, you know, they're their own stage managers. So they, so coming on and off stage, just meaning turning your your video on and off, that's a cue that you have to learn. So we're incorporating all the instruction that they need um, and giving them the performance opportunities and, uh, another another cool class that we have going on is a comedy club and that one they're writing sketches So
0: do you have any like inspirational stories that has, has come out of this from you from any of your students? I mean, I know we talked a little bit, but there's been like students that have really thrived But can you think of anything that you'd like to share about something from all-stars that
1: um Inspirational okay. I have to think about that for a second. Let's see. Um well I can't say directly. I can say for myself as an educator, leading instruction this way was so scary, you know, t- taking transitioning my business this way. Um, and we are a small business, you know, it, it was it was very scary. And I I suppose the most inspiration has just been the success of it and the appreciation from the parents and kids um that were still committed to offering programs. Um I wish I had more inspiration to share. I, you know, if I'm being real, like for me getting ready to teach online, I I actually read a colleague posted this the other day, like getting ready to teach online for me is like making sure that I'm not crying when the video starts. Um, So I will say that, you know, this, I'm looking for every way to stay in business and, and to return when it's safe, you know, in person. But we are a small business. Oh, and I just want to correct. So we're not technically a nonprofit. Our programs are fiscally sponsored by a nonprofit, but we're a small, we're a small um, LLC. And so, um, if I can get this out there, uh, you know, I will say children's programming were largely left out of any kind of economic stimulus. Children's programs were forced to close. Children's programs are largely based on monthly tuition and revenue from events typically, which happen in the spring. Um, And I'm just watching, you know, companies around me, my dear friends and colleagues who have dance studios, cheerleading gyms all around the world, all around the world, Um, I'm watching them close daily and there's really not been any relief for us even the the economic stimulus that was available is not conducive to this type of programming there's no way that it it would have really supported us and you know the businesses that did end up supporting are able to operate you know minimally so for instance restaurants were able to just be open and now you have curbside and of course they're seeing reduced, reven- reduced revenue and they need the stimulus but that wasn't an option for us all we could do was offer our programs online, which is not the same. You know, it's it's parents are not going to value that the same way. So it's very hard to continue to charge tuition, even to parents who you know signed contracts that they would pay through the end of the school year. How do you enforce that when you're not able to offer your service at all? Um, so I'm I feel my I feel very grateful that many of my my clients stuck with it and and that we've been creative to come up with performance opportunities. But I will say that, you know, the state of children's programs in America is dire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, and parents, I mean, now we're about to start hearing about summer camps and let's close all of the summer camps. And I understand why, but at the same time, businesses when they take tuition for summer camps, they start spending that summer that revenue early so that they can be prepared for a wonderful summer camp. So how do we recuperate those expenses? We don't know. How do we um, offer or don't offer and then provide refunds on things that we've already spent money on? You know what I mean? Um, so these are kind of the fights that I'm dealing with every day. And I don't even wanna say fights, it's not a fight. I I'm on the client side. And I'm on but I'm a desperate business owner just trying to recuperate what I've lost with absolutely no help. <laughs> yeah. No, you know? I think I think it's a really important
0: point. And I'm really glad you brought that up because um it's it's true because I'm 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 coming from the school perspective, but as a business owner, how much of a struggle this is and you know yeah. the the amazing work you're working you're doing, but on top of it, the struggle to just keep your business open and right. finding creative ways to do that. So I have all the empathy for all business owners, and especially ones that are working with children and, and trying to keep their businesses open, yeah. and I, you know, but I admire what you do, and I think that businesses like yours are going to thrive and get through this because of the work you do, and the people who follow you, and and the, and the, the need for what you do. I think that not enough people talk about after-school programming, how important it is. Um, in for parents and for children to, to especially learn how to express themselves in a program like yours. And so, you know, I just, I'm, I'm pulling for you and I'm pulling for your business. And I think the work you're doing is fantastic. And you should be incredibly proud of yourself. I'm proud of the work that you do. And I'm so glad that you shared what you did. Uh, And I hope that people you know, look you up and I'll, we'll, we'll put your website on there so people can research and stuff. I, you know, maybe people around the country during this will, will be interested in, in, in being a part of, uh, of all stars also. Yeah,
1: so, um, great.
0: so anyway, thank you so much for being part of the podcast, Katie. It's wonderful to see your face. Uh, you know, people won't see your face, but it's wonderful for me <laughs> to see your face.
1: <laughs> yes, it's so nice to see you too.
0: And, um, and I wish you all the luck with everything. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks thank for being part you. of Warriors. Take care. This has been the Warriors of Education podcast dedicated to all the hardworking teachers across this country. We hear you. We see you. We honor you. Thank you.